On this week's Grades the Rim, we start off by looking at an otherwise underwhelming NCAA tournament final, recap the final four, all the good things that came from it, all the things we missed about the NCAA tournament. Meanwhile, with an NBA weekend full of blowouts, we look at which team should be concerned after getting absolutely obliterated. We also recap some other games and bring back damage control to talk some off-the-court drama. In Playoff v. Wayoff, we rank some of the all-time great college rosters, and as always, finish up with Splasher Pass. Let's get it. We're back. We are live. Welcome to Graze the Rim Podcast. This is the podcast hosted by two former teammates that are better at talking about basketball than we ever were playing it. This is the week of April 6th. It is the three-month mark, I think, in this uh, podcast journey, Seth. Oh. So let's check in with you. How do you feel? Where, 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 how are you feeling so far about how we're doing, where we're at? No, we're in we're in a rhythm now. It's okay. it's uh, it's going well for me. How about you? I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm enjoying it too. I still still have a lot of fun. I feel like, have you ever watched, I'm sure the answer is no, have you ever watched the documentary on how South Park episodes are made? <laughs> no. Well, I think it's it's called like Six Days to, yeah, it's called Six Days to Air because the whole thing is they don't do any ahead of time work, basically. So like when it's time to start making new seasons, like the episode airs on Wednesday, they start making it on like the Thursday before. So like, like so like on Thursday... The episode, they have no idea what the episode is going to be about, what it's going to look like. And literally, they work around the clock until the next Wednesday. That they make it, you know, give it to Comedy Central to release, and then they start all over. So that's it's crazy. Just like, like how they do their full season. Yeah, so that's kind of what I feel like is that, like, so we record on Tuesdays, and come mm-hmm. Sundays, I'm, I'm, like, I'm always panicked a little bit because I have no content. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a 20-minute <laughs> episode. I don't know what I'm going to say. What are we going to do? And then, like, by the time the show rolls around, I... I'm worried that we're going to talk too long. I'm like, how are we going to fit all this content that I have into exactly. the time? So, I like, yeah, I am enjoying it. Still having a lot to talk about. Still a lot of fun. We'll see as we get closer to playoffs and playoffs because the format's going to change. That could be the uh, yeah. It's going to have to we're actually talk about more basketball. Yeah, I don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> how uh, you been though, Rob? How have I been? You feel good? Yeah, you yeah, feeling good? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I like when it's warm out and it's getting warm out. I'll feel better when the Lakers are healthy. How about that? There we go. That's my soul is tied to them. Dictates my life. Absolutely. Exactly. And uh, how about you? Did you ask that so you could talk about something? No. Is that one of those where you? I'm a caring just... person, Rob. I was just wondering how you're doing. <laughs> okay. All right. That's good to hear. I in other podcast news, uh, I wanted to bring up the intro song again. So for those that aren't <laughs> familiar, it's the NBA on NBC theme from like way back in the day, uh, and the outro is just it's it's. The song Heart of a Champion by Nelly samples that theme, and the, the only cover that I could find on YouTube is the one that you hear at the end. I, I, I heard from a concerned fan about, worried for us about fair use copyright policy, oh. because even though we're not profitable yet, which is a shock, Somehow. NBC, exactly, NBC could still come after us for copyright violation. So my thing was nobody tell NBC we're using it. Please. If you Please have don't. connections, don't let them in. Don't let it slip in conversation. I was wondering, it got me thinking this, because, like, I don't, like, fair use how it works, like, on YouTube or in public, that, like, you can do covers of licensed music. 
like do your own cover and it's fine. Like it's your you know, oh. property or whatever. So like like the cover that we use on the outro is is not doesn't belong to Nelly, even though it's Nelly's song, somebody does a cover of it. So what if we did a cover of the NBA and NBC intro, like we beatboxed it or something? Well, what if we covered Logan Martin's version? Ooh, and did the uh, did our own outro or did it at the intro? Or just played it the whole podcast in the background? The entire, like, yeah, background music. Okay. Those are good ideas. So maybe, yeah, as our Look production that, value people. increases, exactly. That's going to be good. So we've done this for the last few weeks. But again, it's an NBA podcast, and we're going to talk college basketball because that's what you do. And that's what we've been watching is college basketball. We just, so today's Tuesday. The championship game was yesterday, Monday. Um, first of all, so congrats to Baylor, but even more so congrats to us for yeah. correctly predicting the Final Four because we recorded before the Elite Eight games that featured Gonzaga and UCLA, and we correctly predicted they would both win their Elite Eight games. That's right. We did. Uh, also, the last, maybe the last words I said on last week's podcast were congrats to Baylor. You did say that, yeah. Championship. Yes, yes, yes. I uh, remember that. Uh, that was to just cover my bases because I had said Gonzaga earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. good job, me. Right, good. Um, so let's talk, before we talk championship, let's talk Final Four game. I want to say thank you, UCLA, for proving me wrong because I was very skeptical of the high seeds making deep runs, being able to give us good games. Because that Gonzaga-UCLA game, Gonzaga-UCLA game was an all-timer. Yes. Um, That's not just in the moment. That was an all-time yes. Game. For sure, for sure. I, I, so I've talked about my, my problems with being bigoted against high seeds. And even during that game, I feel like I couldn't enjoy it because my brain was still saying, oh, Gonzaga's the one seed. At some point, you know, every time they would get a bucket to go up four or two or get a couple stops, they're like, oh, here we go. Double digits. I'll blink and it'll be double digits. But that didn't happen. The game was, was, was back and forth the entire time. I don't even know what the biggest lead was, but it wasn't very much. Especially down the stretch. I want to ask you, Seth, how do you feel about, I've heard takes all over the spectrum. How do you feel about <laughs> the Jalen Suggs game winner as uh, an all-time shot? It is an all-time shot. It, it doesn't matter if it's luck or not. I saw that the, people were saying that it's not all-time because because he banked it in from half court. Like That is awesome. That is so cool. If Gordon Hayward would have banked that shot in against Duke in that championship, that would have been, gone down as the greatest shot in, in basketball history, in college basketball tournament history. Yeah, that's true. I, I, so I'm very critical of banked in game winners, a la Paul Pierce and Derrick Rose. <laughs> um, but I, I think, I think as you get farther away from the basket, that le- that loosens. Yeah, it's def- that's that's so far different than baking in like a a, th- a three one step or a, yeah a three one step behind the line. That is completely different for me. Right. I well, I'll tell you one thing that that I I agree that it was an all time. One thing that I was disappointed with was the in game call. And I think we as NBA fans are spoiled by Mike Breen because whenever there's <laughs> going to be a great call, we know that there's going to be or a great shot. We know there's going to be a great call. Like, do you remember, Seth? I'll ask you, do you remember what the, the announcer said? No, no, I, I, nothing's coming to mind. Yeah, that's why I, I was I, I wanted the more iconic call and, and I was waiting for cardiac camera 2.0. Like, <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like, that's that's a shot you remember forever. Just it's such a cool call when Kim Walker hit that game winner. That if you're an announcer, I want you to have something prepped, like for either team if they hit a game winner. I feel like they because, should. Like, isn't that part of the job? I think so. Like, just the, so the raw, like, oh wow, what a shot, you know, wow, basically, or oh that it's not, it's not good. It doesn't do anything for me. There's an exception to that though. Did, did you see this on the Gonzaga radio? 
Did you hear that? Did you hear no. the call for this? I well, bet it was insane. I loved it because the color commentator for Gonzaga is one Adam Morrison. <laughs> and famous for <laughs> being a Gonzaga legend, but also losing a heartbreaking game in the NCAA tournament to UCLA. To, to, yeah, that's right. So yeah. it was an awesome moment because what was cool about it, so from the time that uh, that Johnny Juzang had the ball, really, like he started his move to hit the shot to tie it, you didn't hear Adam Morrison one time. It was just a play-by-play guy playing everything that happens. And then the second the shot goes through, he screamed so, like yeah. just so loud over that you couldn't hear the play-by-play guy <laughs> telling what was happening. He's just screaming. And I like I lo- like that's the emotion that I love because like you know he's biased. Like I, it's not like yeah. it's not like the national TV guy who's just trying to do a good job calling. Like he's just rooting for his team, and it was it was like a goosebumps moment. Super cool. And you got to feel for Adam Morrison who like. Such a storied college career, and then the death sense of being drafted by a Michael Jordan Bobcats team. Yeah, just doomed from the start. Career, exactly, yeah. his career is over before it begins. Like when you see uh, commentators for soccer games, like freak out over a goal, like just yeah. a regular goal. Yeah, like I need that kind of enthusiasm. Exactly, exactly. It's and I was the, just too professional. Is is the national yeah. guys? Unless you're like Mike Breen and just have an all time badass call yeah. that is yours, right? Um, he doesn't have to prepare because he can just he can just exactly, bang it, it out anytime. It can come. There was said there's also another semifinal game, and that's all I'm going to say about that because the Houston Baylor. Good game. job, Baylor. Yeah. yeah, Houston, take your participation medal and uh, and grab that on the way out. Uh, <laughs> so, I guess for the finals, because I know a thing or two about a team coming out sluggish and not recovering and then just losing the game basically before it begins. Yeah, because I've lived it more than once. And this Normally is due to a like a <laughs> lack of talent, though. Well, sometimes that's fair, but this is I, I don't know. I guess what, what were your thoughts about the game? I was the championship. I was talking game. to I was that? talking to somebody about yeah the championship game Baylor Gonzaga. <laughs> right. I was talking to somebody about this, and I was I was so worried that we had an all time game in the final four that the championship game just no matter what happened it probably couldn't live up to expectations and it. I was right. Like I, I didn't enjoy watching that game much. Well, at all. I don't know if that's fair because the bar for that is so high, and this game was over two, like what, two minutes into the game, there was right. a, a lead that that Gonzaga never really got to cut down enough that you would think, like it's it's back to being a game. And you know they 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 were down nineteen. They cut the lead to ten at halftime, and kind of starting off that second half, I was like, all right, Gonzaga can put together a little run here, right? You know, like get it within like a... five or six. It's like yeah, right, and go. I think they yeah. got it down to to eight or something like that at one point. But yeah, well, I think we got to give credit to Baylor because they dominated start to finish. Oh, they were awesome. I mean, just like statistically, the rebounding was. The, I mean, that was the game. They were yeah. It was thirty uh, thirty four to seventeen advantage for Baylor, fourteen to one on offensive rebounds. So Baylor almost had more offensive rebounds than Gonzaga had total rebounds. <laughs> also, they had double. Gonzaga had 14 turnovers to Baylor's 7. So, I mean, that's uh, on the stats. Those are the game right now. Right. Uh, I want to shout out to Baylor's backcourt, who was yeah. so good, so fun. Uh, Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, and is it Maceo Teague? Maceo Teague, yeah. So, specifically, Butler and Teague, who I think, is it the best? Was Baylor the best team ever to have a Butler and Teague at the same time on their roster? <laughs> 
<laughs> Surely they must I, be. Without a doubt. I, I without can't a doubt. think of any other team that had a guy named Teague and a guy named Butler on their That's team. a good one, Rob. That was a really good thank one. You, thank you, thank you, thank you. That was really uh, good. That was the Timberwolves for those. <laughs> uh, it was Jeff Teague. They won a playoff game. They won a playoff game. Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> but shout out to Baylor. They were awesome. I, I think what we learned is to be a team that can beat this Baylor team is special. You have to be a special team, a special program. All right. To be able to beat this Baylor team. And Gonzaga <laughs> wasn't there. They weren't up for the stretch. Or weren't up for the, uh, for the challenge. I Yeah, shout out Oklahoma State Cowboys. Exactly. exactly. Uh, <laughs> other notes. Do you have anything else? Oh, go ahead. Finish, get, the, finish the last thought. Just finish. That was it. No, that was it. That was the Oh, you're, you're, you're crediting I mean, Oklahoma State? Well, just any team that beat Baylor this year <laughs> deserves a lot of credit. Maybe give them a banner as well. Okay. Um, other notes about this game. So, Drew Timmy, who was probably Gonzaga's player of the tournament. I can't stand him. Yeah, so so not a cool... So, he, he had this like big handlebar mustache. And he every time he would dunk, he would like... Not twirl, but like... Kind of like kind of outline run it. through the mustache and point up. Yeah. yeah, don't don't do that when you're down like what seventeen in the first half. Did yeah, you see him red do flag it? on the red flag on the scouting on the uh, the draft That's profile. A, exa- well, Situational awareness. Yeah, it's just an F. just what are you like? I don't. I want to joke about this because it's funny, but also like on a serious note, like where's your head at if you're yeah you're in the you're in the biggest game of your life up to that point, and probably ever maybe ever I don't know, but yeah you're. Your team is getting blown out. You just you just came out flat. They came out, you know, punching them out or whatever your favorite coach's analogy is. And and you need like you've been the best offensive player on your team this tournament. You get an easy bucket and you like your thought is, Oh, I gotta do my cool celebration. Like that's yeah. where your head's at. Like I yeah, red flag, like you said, I I did not care for that moment at all. Yeah. Um uh, he's only a sophomore though. I did I had I think no idea. I thought it was juniors. He's a sophomore? Yeah, sophomore. Okay. Crazy. I will well in his defense, uh, in the Final Four game against UCLA, Kendrick Perkins tweeted that Drew Timmy is going to be a hell of an NBA player someday. And, sir, I could not disagree more. Well, we should have known that the time Kendrick Perkins hit send on that tweet, Drew Timmy would never play an effective game of basketball <laughs> for the rest of his life. Cursed. So, exactly. Other notes that I had. Well, that's it for the game. Do you have oh, anything else for the game? I have, yeah, I have the, end of the very end of the game. If I'm Baylor... I am. I feel like I'm robbed because they didn't shoot confetti cannons off until after like the court was cleared by Gonzaga. Like when you win oh, the shoot, the second you the shoot that goes shit up? off the set. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I I was hoping. I tell you, I went to bed early. I didn't even stay up because I, I had to get up early. Who cares? Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't see. I was I I was so hoping somebody on Baylor would do the mustache thing to me. <laughs> I'm assuming it didn't happen because I didn't see a, a highlight or hear about it. But no, that was my biggest disappointment. That is really, that that is that would been great. So yeah, uh, tough for Gonzaga. Uh, kind of feel for him, but not that much because they're so what they have the number six recruit for next year is committed, and then the number one recruit sounds is like he's favored to go to Gonzaga. Yeah, so yeah. hard to feel that bad for him. Uh, they are reloading. I will so just over the tournament as a whole, Seth. I I heard a thing about a study. A 2011 study found that players who appear in the Final Four in the year which they are drafted go approximately 12 spots higher than they otherwise would have. Yeah. The study also revealed that scoring totals, shooting efficiency, assists and blocks enhance a player's stock, while rebounds and turnovers have no impact. So I don't know necessarily what that means, but who do you think, (laughs) Seth, is the biggest beneficiary from a good run? Like, as the guy? 
Well, well, just just who's? I mean, they said like on if you make Final Four, your draft stock goes up. But yeah, who's who's our biggest riser? Because I think. Well, I oh, this I year you mean? Yes. Oh, gotcha. Yes. Uh, I think it's it's Johnny Juzang. Yeah, that's what I, without a doubt. That's pretty I would easy. Think. Yeah. I I'm interested because as much as Jalen Suggs' stock rose after the UCLA game, did it go down? After what was a pretty bad showing in the championship game. Yeah, he well the first half especially with the foul trouble. Then, right. I mean, he still he still led the team in scoring at twenty two points. Well, he looked. I mean, just in the first half, he looked shell shocked. Yeah, but just his face, his body language. He he. And that's credit like to Baylor's backward. Those dudes are freaks. yeah for sure. But, awesome. but I just think that that after the UCLA game, there was a tweet like, "Oh, Jalen Suggs should go number one. Like this guy's NBA ready. He's got poise. He's leadership." And boy, yeah. he did not show any of those things in the championship game. But a lot of the like intangibles, like you know, mentality stuff, is what people have been praising him on. Mm-hmm. He looks pretty rattled, questionable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. rattled. Rattled is a great word for that. He did look rattled. I still think he's probably a top five draft pick, but oh, I think um, it's top three. Honestly, I, I yeah. think it's. I think it's. You could even argue for two. Uh, Cunningham's one, and then Mobley sucks in some order. And then, um, and then there's Jalen Green from the G League too. That yeah, would be and, the uh, that'd be the next guy. What's, the, what's his teammate? Coming in, yeah. Uh, cool. College basketball. Oh, I did it. One of the college basketball. Do you have anything else? No. College basketball. I had something else. Um, and this is a just a general PSA. So normally when we give really good advice, it's for specific NBA teams, players, franchises. But this is for everyone. Everyone can take this. Everyone can learn from this. If you have big news to announce, and not like something exciting like, like you're you're getting engaged or you're expecting or you know whatever you got a promotion. If it's some news that that could make some people sad, like like you're transferring to a new school, you got a new no. job across the country, anything like that, don't announce it on April Fool's Day. Yeah, because <laughs> that is what Roy Williams did, and it, I it took me probably six hours before I believed it was real. Yeah, I refuse to believe it. I here's here's my thing. How how long before we come full circle where the April Fool's Day joke will be being serious about something? That you announce something on April Fool's Day and the joke <laughs> is that it's not a joke. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I didn't I didn't believe where Williams was actually retiring because he said on April Fool's Day. But he is. He's retiring. Uh they already hired what was Monty Williams. What was the assistant's name? <laughs> Hubert, Hubert Davis. Hubert Davis. Uh yeah. So that's cool, I guess. But I what I loved about this was like the day after Roy Williams announced his retirement, Bill Self from KU announced that oh, he was yeah. receiving a lifetime contract extension. So that means, did you hear like how it works? That literally every year they just, they just automatically add another year to his extension. So he always yeah, has but, five but at, years left on his deal. But at what value? Like, does value stay the same? I have no idea. I'm assuming oh. it's very handsomely rewarded. But it's because you know the last time North Carolina had a job opening. The Kansas coach, who at the time was Roy Williams, left yeah, to go to North left. Carolina. Yeah. So this time, they hear there's no big North Carolina. Not this time. We're <laughs> locking him down for life. Yeah. I love That's that. That's great. Uh, good job, Kansas, I guess. Yeah. And shout out NCAA. It was good to have a tournament back. It was great it's been to have a long a time. Yes, it was. It felt no fans. I didn't really care. It felt like yeah. college basketball. Let's go to the NBA. How's yes. that sound? Yes, do it. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's recap some games from this past week, as we always do. Start off with the the new Orlando Magic, the depleted Orlando Magic. They beat the Clippers this week, 103-96. And there's no Paul Jordan in this game. And the Clippers were up 91-82 with about three and a half minutes left. And watching the end of this game, 
seeing Kawhi playing with the the other Clippers on the court was hilarious. The Magic just packed on the paint, let Kawhi drive, and then double him and say, all right, somebody else beat us. All right, Luke Kennard, make a shot. And I got to get this out there. Luke Kennard, do you know... Do you know the painting, The Screamer, Rob? Uh, I think, isn't it just called The Scream? Sure. Do you know the guy I, in it who I'm now calling The Screamer? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can picture the painting, yeah. Something about Luke Kennard's face, that is all I can see. Mm. His mouth is always open. He does kind of have a, just like a, a fixed, like deer yeah. in the headlights look about him. Yeah. And now yeah. I can't unsee it. Mm. Um, and that is all I really wanted to talk about. That's good. I was, I'll tell you, I was kind of sad. We didn't have Paul George because as it gets closer to playoff time, playoff oh, P baby. comes out of hibernation. Oh, baby. Did, so did you know um, in the last month in clutch minutes, which again is in the last five minutes of a game where the score is five minutes or less, in the last month of clutch minutes, Paul George is fifth on the team in minutes per clutch situation. Yikes. Average minutes. Reggie Jackson is averaging more clutch minutes than Paul George is. That's so, tough. So I, I just I don't know what this means, other other than I I need playoffs to come because this is this is like an experiment. Like one more year, if the, if same thing happens this year, I'm quite gone. That's what I'm saying. This is yeah. this is I'm just so curious about how this is going to play out. Yeah. Next thing I got. Sixers beat the Wolves one twenty two one thirteen. I tried to go. I was going to go the entire episode. I was going to talk about the Timberwolves once. Hmm. But Conrad Towns and Joel Embiid, the beef is back on, and it's just too good not to talk about. These guys really hate each other, I think. Uh, Towns poster Joel Embiid, Boom, which was obviously it. the highlight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a great still photo. Joel Embiid's face is just hilarious as he's getting dunked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, they, you know, they share really hard fouls. I think, I don't know if Towns got a flagrant, but I know Embiid got a, got a flagrant. Embiid fouled Towns, which led to a flagrant. And then Joel Embiid brought out the move. He's done this before, but he got fouled. He made an and one on Cat and just starts, you know, humping the air, laying on the ground. And where is this coming from? Why does he do this? Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know why I have such a hatred for, like, in a in a competitive situation, you do like a funny shimmy or a dance or like something yeah. that just shows how much fun. Like, like Steph's, like, like Steph does shimmy. it, and and does it. It just rubs me the wrong way, and I don't like it, especially like Joel for as big and how physically dominating as he is, he spends a lot of time on the ground. He sure does. When he makes offensive moves because he hunts for fouls like a few people do. I, I really wish the Timberwolves would have won this game. I know. Because you it would have made have. the dunk a lot better. It would have meant a lot more. The Carlton Towns dunk. You know, I thought for sure that something was ending up on social media and nothing. Nothing didn't happen. Neither one. Hmm. No. I will. So, speaking of Timberwolves, congratulate. Last week I mentioned Chris Finch was still looking for his fifth win as a coach yeah he got it it was the knicks right they beat the knicks yeah it was a that good was, win that was win number five 17 they games. actually won oh, last night games. also okay they so we're trending yeah it's hard to trend any worse so we're trending uh, better Kansas russell came back last night and it and it didn't hurt them the, the finch era with Kansas russell playing is undefeated good that's good let's keep that going keep let's that move on from there <laughs> uh yeah so the next one was was the bulls beat the nets 115, 107. Um, yeah. So this was a shorthanded Nets. Harden yeah. was out with a injury. What was it? It was like a it's his hamstring strain. He just but like a, not like Kevin Durant who. No, 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 no. Well, I'm just I'm just clarifying. I wasn't asking you. Thank you very much. Oh, <laughs> it's not like a Kevin Durant injury. Which by the way, did you see? Just go boot report that he's back in the line. Are you asking me? 
I'm telling you that part. <laughs> I'm telling you that. I'm, t- I'm asking you if you saw. Which part? The Kevin Durant's back. Oh, He's yeah. Playing. What what was the what game was it? Is it tonight? It's tonight, I think. So you'll have seen Kevin Durant play by the time you hear this podcast. Man, he looked rough, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, this game, Bulls beat the Nets, 150-107. The game was not that close. Like the game, like when you think of a score this close, it's the the the, yeah. the, the Nets could have won, but it the Bulls kept them in arms most of the way. Happy for the Bulls who snapped the six game losing streak with this win. I don't, I don't want to overreact to that because. They just came back. This was their, this was Vujovic's first home game. It was mm-hmm. a four game road trip that they lost, and it was the Spurs, Jazz, Suns, Warriors with the Warriors with Curry. So no easy games. Plus Levine tweaked his ankle, missed a game, came back kind of shaky. So Vujovic is is he's having some growing pains, but I'm interested to see how the Bulls manage their bigs because they yeah. have four between the power forward center spot. They have four: Vujovic, Thaddeus Young, Marketin, and Daniel Tice. And it, it's, it seems like Laurie Marketing's fourth on the pecking order. And as he should be. He, like, it's painful to watch him right now. Yeah, I just I just think that's crazy that they didn't they're not playing him that much. They didn't trade him. Right. And they're 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 playing Daniel Tice at the four with Vucevic more than they're playing Marketing. I saw that I crazy. saw that, yes. <laughs> uh speaking of which, he is a walking twenty ten. Oh my god, and it's it so is, easy for it him. It is fun to watch, yeah. Yeah, the Lavooch era gets its first win. Yes, that's good. Did you just make that up? No. Right. Oh, that, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, I trademarked that. Okay. <laughs> that in our intro song, a trademark. Um, <laughs> is that it? Anything else for that game? No, that's all. All I right. Got. Uh, last thing I want to talk about. So the clip. I don't know why I want to talk about this, but the Clippers beat the Lakers by twenty, and it was like twenty. We'll points cut that part. The entire game. Uh, Rondo's first game was a Clipper. They got him for like clutch time, like you said that. Yeah, how teams loaded up on Kawhi. They got Rondo to kind of be the facilitator. Boy, did they not need that this game because this game was never close. And we were talking. I think we were, were we talking on the phone. Yeah, and we're like why are we watching this game? <laughs> because like who like who cares what the Lakers are right now? But they're struggling. We expected them to struggle without the two best players. They've lost six of nine. They are falling in the standings pretty hard. They're now in fifth place. They're Half a game behind the Nuggets and half a game above the Blazers, so that could they could end up being in sixth soon. I don't know when they play again. There's a little cushion from seventh place, but the Mavericks who are in seventh they're kind of surging and like sixth is the number you want to be at because that means you missed the play in. Yeah. So I don't really want to talk with Lakers, but we the, do that plenty. The surging Nuggets are worth talking about because yeah, they are. since they got Aaron Gordon, I've only I think I've watched them a couple times. They have been one of my favorite teams to watch, and I don't know. It might just be a placebo, but they they feel like they got more pop with Aaron Gordon. Like they're they're just they're fun to watch. And Aaron Gordon, like like we talk about, Vucevic has growing pains. Uh, who's the other got traded? Evan Fournier. Who cares? <laughs> who else got traded? I'm trying to think. <laughs> From them? No, there's this trade deadline. Who else got traded? Uh, Victor Oladipo. Growing pains. Sure, that's good. Um, but now with now with Aaron Gordon. No, he's yeah, already gelled he's with like, these Nuggets. Yeah, like he's just sliding in. He kind of different from these other guys. He doesn't really have. He's just kind of cutting, getting finding get get in where he fits in there. You know, he's not he's not asked to carry the load offensively or anything like that. And I think that's it's benefited him. Yeah, he's doing so. He's their primary defender, primary wing mm-hmm. defender, and he's he looks athletic because he is athletic. He so it's only been four games, but 
in those four games as a Nugget, he's shooting 73% from two-point range. He's averaging the same 14 points per game, which is what he was averaging on the Magic this year, but it's on two less shots. It's the same average, just way more efficient. In, in these four games, the rate of his baskets that are assisted by somebody else is more than double his career average. So he's getting easy looks. He's converting them. He's not shooting great from three, but I think he'll be good enough that teams can't leave him open or teams don't want to leave him open. What's what's really interesting to me is the Nuggets rotations. So in the for how many games? In the twenty five games that Aaron Gordon played with the Magic this year, the most the five man lineup that he played with most played a total of sixty eight minutes together in twenty five games. In four games with the Nuggets, which is the team he's on now. I had to think about it for a second. <laughs> in just in four games, he's played ninety minutes with the starting That's group. So, so he's played he's played 30 minutes per game in the four games. So he's played 120 minutes. 90 of them have been with the same starting five. Yeah. And so it's so it's who is it? Jamal Murray, um, Will Barton. Barton, him, Michael Porter Jr., Nicole Jokic. Those five are plus 32 per hundred possessions in oh, those 90 man. minutes. Like that's so good. It's almost like point per possession. Like they're yeah. 1.3 points per possession, which is it's. I mean, obviously, it's not like they'll fall off some, but they're consistently like. They're playing, you know, an eight-minute stretch in the first quarter, and they're outscoring by ten, and they're playing another six minutes in the second quarter. And the Nuggets are just doing these line changes where they're just running with these bench mobs, and and the bench is doing well enough to sustain, and the starters are just blowing people out. It's an ideal formula. It really for is sure. good for them. Um, they, gosh, they're good. They're they are going to be a the West is going to be brutal. So I mean, you think about like, so like Clippers, Lakers. Nuggets, Suns, Jazz. One of those teams can't make the second yeah, round. Yeah, is losing in the first round, which means yeah. that matchup is going to be awesome. And then the second <laughs> round is going to be awesome. Yeah. So that's all the games I had. Did you have yeah. any games? No. Cool. All right. So our main story. Our main story that apparently it is blowout season in the NBA. This was a wild weekend yeah. of NBA basketball. A boring weekend if you like competitive games. So I got some stats about this. Uh, Friday in the NBA, there were 10 games played. Average margin of victory was 21.7 points <laughs> across 10 games. The closest game was Jazz winning by 7. And then on NBA Saturday, 8 games played. The average margin of victory, 23.75 points. So between those two days, there were 18 games played. Four of them were decided by at least 44 points. 22.6-point <laughs> average win margin. One game was decided by 5 points or less. Oh, my God. So... We're going to look at some of the worst blowouts and decide if something was fluky, as it was just an off-night perfect storm of bad things or good things, or if there's cause to be concerned. And so I'll just I'll read off the, the big bad games that happened. So Friday, the Raptors beat the Warriors by 53 points. You heard that right. You said that right. You said that exactly. right. Exactly. And the Suns beat the Thunder by 37 points. And then on Saturday, the Knicks beat the Pistons by 44 points. The Jazz beat the Magic by 46 points, and the Blazers beat the Thunder by 48 points. There were also some other, like, 30-point, much more boring blowouts, but those are the big ones. Those five yeah. are the big ones. So, Seth, pick a game and tell me what's your takeaway from it. I want to start with the Raptors-Warriors. Oh, um, good. good. Not good. only did they win by 53, but the Raptors were up by 60 points at one point. An NBA game, 60 points. Yeah, it's crazy. Love to see it. Wasn't it? Didn't the Raptors hit a hundred points before the Warriors hit fifty? Yeah, it was Wasn't like one hundred forty-nine or forty-six <laughs> or something like that. That's pretty unheard of. 
Um, I love that Gary Trent was I, single game plus minus means absolutely nothing. Yes. And yes, it, yes if yes. you're using an argument, throw it out. It's pointless. But it is fun to look at this because Gary Trent Jr. was plus 54 <laughs> in 29 know, minutes. About 29 minutes. Okay, yeah. I, it's funny. I wanted to shout out. I had a stat. Uh, Kelly Oubre, who oh, for yeah. in only 18 minutes of play was a minus 37. Yeah. Yes. So. And uh, Steph's brother-in-law was minus 36 in 18 minutes. So those two together on the court was <laughs> uh, unreal. Um, I do actually kind of want to talk about the Warriors here for yes, a sec yes, because yes, yes. Uh, this is not a fluke for the, the Warriors. Mm. Now, we got we to gotta say that there was no Steph, um, obviously no Clay. And Draymond was a was a late scratch. He was scheduled to play, but didn't end up playing in this game. And this roster around them is atrocious. Yeah, and it's, sorry, I'm sorry. Th- no, like this. I'm just. This is how the NBA works. Like it's cyclical. Like when you are good, obviously you you get bad draft picks. And if you don't hit, if you don't get real lucky on those draft picks, it's hard to surround your team with talent. And uh, I'm starting to think that this could be. Uh, Kind of the norm here. Yeah, it's catching that, up with them. That uh, we'll be seeing a lot less Warriors fans here in the future. <laughs> yeah, I was... So like you said, that this just comes back with good teams. And part of that is because when you have success, you have to pay the guys to keep them around, mm-hmm. which means... Right. I mean, between Steph, Clay, and Draymond, it's like what... And Wiggins' plus? max contract. Well, that's true. Oh, God. <laughs> but I say between your good players, it's over $100 million mm-hmm. a year, I think, that you're paying them. Right. You throw in Wiggins' contract, like you said, there's no money for free agents. So if you're not drafting well, I mean, you have to nail draft picks. And if you're not doing that, which most teams aren't, it's really hard to nail late draft picks. If you're not doing that, you don't have money to attract free agents. Like you said, how do you get good players? Which I, so I want to talk about, so talk about Steph. And like you said, I, I, I think this is a trend also. Draymond, the late scratch, is frustrating to me. There's a finger sprain on his offhand, his left hand which is the reason he was pulled. And so I haven't been following the Warriors that closely because why would you this year? Uh, what I do know is both of them, Steph and Draymond, missed that game, and then they both came back the same game. Was it, was it the next game they came back? I believe so. But so, so they, they they missed time together, they came together. And in their minutes, they are playing almost the exact, like they, they don't play without each other when they're both there. Um, I My theory is, Seth, is that the Warriors are so Draymond Green is a great facilitator, but it's a very niche facilitating where he's really good at facilitating when the defense is collapsing or rotating running, hard or running around with Steph Curry. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so my theory is Draymond looks really good when he's playing with other all not other because I don't want to lump him with that when he's playing with all time great talents. Yeah, but he doesn't when he's not. So I think the Warriors just don't like the visual of him playing with no great players. Because it the makes them look bad, <laughs> it makes him look bad, and it makes him look like he's not worth $25 million they're paying. <laughs> optics. It's all about optics. So, like, so they got blown out here. They've lost 7 of 8. They're only a half game up on the final play-in spot in the 10th mm-hmm. seed. James Wiseman looks terrible. I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought that up. Do you yeah. have anything else you want to say about well, it? Well, just that basically since he was benched, he's been awful. Yeah. Like, like it was a few months that he's been benched, and he is, boy, he has got no confidence. And I... I he has so much potential like that is that's not a question he but he is that doesn't help him right now you know right he looks lost like offensively and defensively right now your best right what he can do right now offensively effectively is stand in the dunker spot wait for (laughs) like a dump off pass right which he's which he's great at at dunking 
But um, in this game, he shot like a crossover step back three. And it's like, what are you doing? Hmm. I mean, they're down 60 points at that point. So it's not like it really matters. Uh, Obviously, it just clanked off the rim. And then (laughs) I think he's got to figure it out defensively. Because in this game, the Raptors started and they just said, you know what? We're attacking every play. It was mainly Pascal Siakam. Went at James Wiseman every single possession. And Wiseman couldn't do anything. And also, when there's no fans in the in the crowd, you can you, know, you can hear a lot on the court. Pascal Siakam just yells every time he goes to the hoop. It's not even like it's <laughs> nothing audible. It's just a oh! every time, whether there's contact or not. Oh, it's so it's it's infuriating. It's That's like funny. a blood curdling scream. <laughs> I usually listen muted games, so I'll have to, I'll have <laughs> as to, you should. I'll have to tune in. Um, um, I have I have one last thing on this game, and yeah. I love. When fans on social media, like of their own team, overhype their players, like their role players, uh, because some Warriors fans were having a conversation that ended with an agreement that Jordan Poole had all-star potential. And I don't know if you watched Jordan Poole played all this year or last year. He has the potential to be on a team in a couple of years. I mean, he's a G. Didn't he? Was he? A G, was it this year? He was in the G League. Yeah, he's in the bubble. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's I, been I just done before I love it. G League to all-star game. Maybe that's what they're saying. It's possible. (laughs) And Jordan Poole was in the G League, so technically he's on the path to being an All-Star. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. (laughs) My last thing about the Warriors. um, So Steve Kerr's been getting some criticism, and I think it's more than deserved. Because Mm -hmm. like, what is this team doing? So they're 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 committing to win now because they're not like they should like you know if you're trying to develop and you're already if the season's a wash like. James, let Wiseman start, play 30 minutes a game. Yeah. We'll live with all the terrible plays. He just needs to learn to play the game. But they're not doing that. But they're also not really committing to win. Like, Steph Curry's playing, like, not that many, what is it? I think 33 minutes a night. And at one point, it was a while ago that Steve Kerr got some flack because, like, he benched Curry for most of the fourth quarter of a close game. And Steve Kerr basically said, like, we're not just here to win games. Isn't that, like, implying, yeah. like, you know, this one game isn't life or death, but it came off, like, we're not here to win games. It's like, well, what are you doing? So it's like, how? So, so you're not playing your young guys, develop them, but you're also not going all out to win now. So, it's like, so why? I don't, I don't know what their plan is. And also, my thing is, so they're running a very similar offense that they did when they were good, and which is just a <laughs> gigantic problem because you go from Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson to Andrew Wiggins, and Kelly Oubre, <laughs> like that's all that needs to be said. And and Steph Curry is like. He's still off the ball so much. Like, they run him off, like, pin downs and whatever, flare, any other type of flare that you like. And his his on-ball pick-and-roll percentages are exactly the same as they've been the last, mm-hmm. like, five years. It's like, so, so we're not developing young guys, but we're not leaning on our one star. So what are we – here's my thing with the Warriors. Like, every team, like, their, their most realistic prayer, like, they're just something that all they can do is hope for is different. Like, a lot of teams are just they're hoping for lottery luck or they're hoping mm-hmm. that their guys get healthy. The Warriors are hoping for a mysterious yet mild injury to Steph Curry, something they can keep him out indefinitely so they can just commit to tanking. I would not be surprised one because with mysterious injury pops. That's up. what I'm saying. They, they they have to – you can't sit him when he's healthy. They have to play him. They don't want him to be seriously hurt. They just need to find a legitimate reason to keep him out of the game. Because I think they should it's, – it's, I mean, I think they – should be thinking it's time to tank. Like, I don't know, like, yeah. what what are you doing at the 10 spot, trying to tread water at the 10 spot? Like, if the Kings weren't playing so bad right now, they would have 
they would have taken over that 10 yeah, spot or the already. Pelicans. They're or just, the Pelicans, yeah. They're just kind of hanging out. <laughs> just yeah. can't win enough games. Yeah. I have uh last note. Are you done with this game? Yes, yes. Yeah, last note. Uh watching Nico Mannion play. Over under he is on a roster in two and a half years. <sighs> Boy. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. Cause I I'll say over. I think he's young enough. Yeah, youth that's, okay. Is youth. I don't, that's fair. Playing minutes, no. <laughs> on a raw, it was just strictly on a raw. In a rotation, no, absolutely, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, what else? What else you want to touch on? Uh, what else did I have? Oh, well, with the Thunder. I mean, they were the only oh, team yes. that appeared twice. Oh baby! In this, so they lost on Friday. They lost to the Suns by thirty-seven. Respectable thirty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> they turn around and lose to the Blazers by forty-eight. Uh, so, do you know what this is? I'll tell you what this is. This is in it's my dream in two K by GF mode. What's the first <laughs> thing that you do? You tank, right? Exactly. You, you tank. You want the number one pick. So what you do is you trade everyone that has any value that isn't super young. Then mm-hmm. you go into the rotation and you bench anyone that isn't terrible. All of a sudden you have five fifty rated centers. <laughs> In your starting lineup. And all of a sudden, you're losing every game by 60. I picked up Kyle Corbin free agency. He's playing 48 minutes. That, exactly. That is what these Thunder are doing. They have So, Shea Gagasson-Zander goes down with a plantar fasciitis, mm-hmm. which at this point, if he plays another game this season, I will be incredibly surprised. Is that because of, of what plantar fasciitis is or no. because you think this one? Okay, yeah. Yes. I, it's it's both for me. but Okay. Um also, here's what, so so they've they've already told Alfred he's not playing mm-hmm. because they want to get young guys experience. Why are they allowed to do this? this yeah, why are they not getting fined? Like for Anthony this? Davis, they, they when he was pouting on the Pelicans and the Pelicans didn't want to play him because they wanted the tank. The NBA made them play Anthony Davis 25 minutes a night, and he played exactly 25 minutes a night. Why are the so Thunder not? Stuff. Yeah, that is this. Why are the Thunder not getting in trouble for not playing Alfred? I don't know. The, like this is such a weird thing that they're allowed to yeah. do. Maybe just because nobody cares, but that's true. And so, I, uh, oh, well, last thing: over the last month, the average age of the five players in the Thunder playing the most minutes is twenty-one. The average ages, so they are just throwing out the young guys. If someone has potential, we'll see it. Otherwise, we get to tank. It's a win-win, and I love it. I love that strategy. I do too. Uh, so they're they're without their four best players right now: Shaco Alexander, Lou Dort. Uh, Al Horford technically falls into that. So I was then, wondering if Al Horford counted. Yeah, okay. and then Darius Baisley. The the four, those three besides Al Horford are their young guys that they that they're pretty certain about. Obviously, they're certain on Shea Gotus Alexander as the future. Uh, Lou and Baisley are solid solid players right now. But I'm interested to see how those guys come back because those guys could obviously uh, benefit from some more development. But I'm enjoying this, what this Thunder team is right now, because mm-hmm. it is is my dream. This yeah. is what we've all been waiting for. It's a lot of fun. This is where greatness is made. Tank, <laughs> tank, tank. Uh, and Isaiah Roby, I, I just want to point this out because uh, he went to Nebraska. And um, as a Creighton fan, I obviously hate Nebraska. He put up a nice minus 50. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's good. So like you said, net rating doesn't matter unless it's a funny stat. Exactly. Case, we read into it a lot. Which in this case it means a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about any of these other games? I have. I, a, I have a, you go yeah, ahead. I, you go ahead. I have one. What about what about Jazz Magic? Was that interesting to you? Um, it, I I mean, it, kind of in the same way that uh, 
the thunder is, but the what I love about the magic is they have all these guys that have been like really limited role players at best, and now they're taking yeah. thirty shots a game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's like Terrence Ross, Otto Porter Jr., even though it's Dwayne Bacon. They're just yeah, Dwayne Bacon's thieving. chunky. <laughs> It's really I, fun to watch. It's another, like, you know, you can tank games by letting young guys with no experience play, or you can tank games by letting guys that are bad play a lot. And that's what the Thunder are doing, or that's what the yeah. Magic are doing. Both strategies work. We're seeing two different effective ways to yes. tank. So so this game, the Jazz beat Magic by 46. Now, the Magic had the minimum requirement of eight eligible players due to injury or COVID test, you know, uh, tracing. <laughs> They shot two of twenty-three from three, eight point seven percent from three. And wasn't okay. this the game where the Jazz set the record for threes? They made they, made, they made twenty-six threes in the game. <laughs> they made three more threes than the Magic took, <laughs> and the Magic went two of twenty-three. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> that's all I want to talk about. That's so okay, funny. That is, that's a good stat. Yeah, that's. I think that's one of those where it's a perfect storm of bad team having a terrible night. Good yeah. team having a great night. Yeah. <laughs> Fifty point game. So that leaves Knicks Pistons. Yes. Also leaves uh, Suns Thunder, but we already well, we, Thunder. Yeah, we, uh, we like the Thunder. I mean, yeah, that's what yeah, Knicks Pistons. I don't have anything. <laughs> Fine. This is a game that happened. Did you have something uh, to say? Yeah, the Knicks. Well, just the Knicks started started on a f- the first quarter. First quarter ended forty one to fifteen. So talk about a game that was over immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, at the end of the first quarter, Julius Randle had 20 and Reggie Bullock had 14 and the Pistons had 15. Yeah, that's so tough. Almost two players, almost two players outscored them in the first yeah. quarter. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Pistons are the worst team in the NBA and this is what you're going to get. Also the most inconsistent. It is a race for the bottom. A lot of these it's teams. Like, it's they like are... they're not trying as hard as other teams to tank, but they... Just comes just naturally. Bad. Just comes yeah, naturally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when uh, can you can you? I love when you say Jeremy Grant's name. Can you just say it? Uh, Jeremy? Jer- yeah, yeah. <laughs> when Jer- <laughs> when Jeremy Grant doesn't shoot well, just count it as a loss. I think of Degrassi in my head. Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the same phonetics to it. Yeah. Okay, is that it? That's all your games. I yeah, had yeah, one yeah. more I want to talk about that was a much more mild blowout. Twenty-two points. Ooh. Only twenty-two. That That's was it? the Charlotte Hornets. Brooklyn Nets. Well, speaking of Charlotte, rest in peace, Gordon Hayward. Ah, rest that in sucks. peace, the, the, the Hornets hopes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that sucks. Uh, but this game, the Nets won 111-89, 22 points. But this one was over, like, kind of like you said, by the first quarter it was over. 32-11 after the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Jeff Green was the the man of the hour. 20 points in the first quarter while the the Brooklyn, or while the Hornets scored 11 points. Uh, top it off, the, the Hornets did that 17-point third quarter. So between those Ooh. two, Ooh. Uh, yeah, this game was not as close as 22 points would indicate. Uh, for the Nets, LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin both started. Both looked fine. Like, Blake has been starting a few games. He's, I don't know, about what you'd expect. Um, but LaMarcus, he, he's a stretch five. I mean, he's slow. He's terrible defensively. But he's a legitimate stretch five, which is a valuable thing. Both these yeah. guys look rejuvenated, going from a bad team having a big role on a bad team to a small role on a great team. Mm-hmm. Like this is something that rejuvenates you. And and I know that everyone you have to have a good team to win. 
And I know that I would be singing a different tune if the Lakers were stacked and had a super team. But I am so tired of Kevin Durant being on stacked teams. Yeah. It is. I just like last year, last year really felt like the first year in a long time that there was real parity in the league. That at the start of the season, even going into the playoffs, it's like there's four or five teams that you could really see winning the championship. Like a bunch of great duos. Exactly. And and it wasn't like, like, I mean, with the Warriors and, and even with the Cavs and the Heat, you knew for the last decade, you've known there's going to be a team in, like, like you can basically pencil in one team in the finals. Yeah. But like, I'd be really surprised if this team isn't in the finals. And last year, that wasn't the case. And look what happens, by the way. Le- LeBron rolls through the finals because when it's a competitive <laughs> league, that's Like, one year of real parody, and Kevin Durant says, all right, enough of that. Time to load up like I've done before. I I wish that I didn't feel this way because it's hard for me to be objective. But I'm at the point where I just I need somebody other than the Nets to win the championship this year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like if it's if you could tell me either I'll let the season play out like right now or I can guarantee it'll be like Sixers Jazz in the finals. I would think long and hard about it. Like the, like not having my favorite team win, but the promise that my least favorite team right now doesn't win. Is very tantalizing, and right now, Seth, we need the Sixers to get the one seed in the East. Oh yeah, we need it because that means because the the, the drop off between the three seed and the four seed in the East is massive, and if you get the one seed, that means you get to a much easier second round game. If if it's Sixers, Nets, Bucks, that means it's Bucks, Nets in the second round, and I think exactly. the Bucks match up really well in the second round. And then they'd have to go to face the Sixers. You just exactly. want the Nets to have the toughest, exactly. the toughest road exactly. possible. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why I'm I'm team. I don't really care for Joel Embiid, but I'm rooting for him. <laughs> I want them to dominate. I want them to get first place in the East in the regular season. But yeah, but like I sidebarred because I wanted to talk about how much I don't like the Nets. But it's just it's just crazy how the Nets were missing their two best players, and these role players just get hot. They do well. The Hornets have an off night, and all of a sudden, it's thirty points, like yeah. midway through the second quarter. Yeah, they're uh, they're deep. The Nets, they are very deep, just with these role players that look like they know they're on a team that has a chance to win and are willing to do the little things. Yeah, that's well, that's well, well, well said. Yeah. All right. Do Let's any, get any to other? some damage control. Yes, we haven't done this in a while. Bring it back, and boy! A, it popped off. Fan favorite segment. Yeah. yeah. So, do you want to explain? Damage control segment or No, go ahead. Me too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so damage control segment. This is a segment where there's a lot of drama that happens in the NBA. NBA is famous for a lot of off the court shenanigans, beef, things that happen Pettiness. that are very fun from a drama standpoint. And we as seasoned veterans of dealing with drama and the fact that we're both really smart. Yeah. We have ways to navigate this that we think that if people listen to us or took our advice they would do a lot better. So this is a segment called Damage Control. We made up the name. And this is what players or teams that get into sticky situations, we're going to lay out exactly what they should do, how they should handle things in order to suffer the least amount of public backlash. So we had yeah. a couple, a couple people to be featured on Damage Control this week. Yeah. I'm going to start here. We're going to lead with Paul Pierce. Now, most people probably know. But Paul Pierce went on Instagram Live this weekend, and boy, he had one hell of a weekend. In this video, he is so faded. This man's eyes were hilariously low. And he's sitting around a poker table with some colleagues of his. 
Uh, there are strippers dancing and massaging around, massaging him, dancing around him. Uh, one of them is dancing on the floor. As in the video, you can see that some of his colleagues are tossing poker chips on this girl dancing, and then he is talking to someone who joined the live, and her name apparently was Monica, and he's saying, "If Monica is in L.A., she should come through and make some money." Now, Paul Pierce works for ESPN. Paul Pierce worked for ESPN. Uh, after the weekend, he was let go by ESPN um, because that's a Disney corporation. This is a family network. <laughs> and my advice to Paul is maybe make this weekly. And I think this is this is going to surprise people. But Paul Pierce is about to get paid by somebody. People love this shit. Like controversy fuels media. And someone is going to hire him just based on this. Obviously, it's not for his analysis. We know that. And already... Robbie, do you remember a website called Cam Soda? Oh God, this, I do. I this, do. Refresh your memory, though. This Cam Soda is a is a. Uh, oh, I can't remember what they called it. It's a. Uh, I can't remember, <laughs> but it's it's a porn site. I'm assuming. It's, it's like an online like, yeah. stripper, right? Yeah, like escort girl? or something yeah, like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they reached out to the Brooklyn Nets, mainly James Harden, to promote like a. Uh, this was a while ago. This was All-Star Weekend in Atlanta, offering James Harden basically anything he wanted. And they've reached out to Paul Pierce for a job. Uh, <laughs> what, what's and, the job? What's the job? I don't know. I don't okay, know what the okay. job I think it's to I think it's to host lives like that. Okay. Um, people obviously enjoyed it. And now Paul Pierce, I don't, I don't like the guy at all. But he, I think he knows what he's doing. He is going to get a lot of money from this. Yeah, so obviously this is hilarious, but yeah. I don't I don't know what to do with this. Like he he posted a video like after like the day after he was fired of him like <laughs> laughing. Like so so did he just like did he just have another job lined up and wanted to get out of his contract? Like if this man is that far ahead, I can't I can't hate him anymore. Like that is I don't know. I don't take I don't take Paul Pierce as the guy that planned things out like that. I don't know. That's true. What I love is is Paul Pierce learned that it's not the quantity of people, it's it's yeah. the quality. It's it's how good of a group you can get around you because it only took 300 people for him to ruin his ESPN career because the, the Instagram Live only had 315 yeah. viewers <laughs> and that's enough to get him fired. I That's actually really funny. My advice is the exact opposite. I think mm-hmm. you should do I nothing. Figured. Because the best advice when you do something stupid is to do nothing and lay low. Not like you said, lean into it. Paul Pierce doesn't need the money. He doesn't need a new gig. But I think he should call it a career because as a Paul Pierce hater, I'm going to miss his analysis. But as a generic basketball fan, I'm not going to miss his analysis. Here, It's <laughs> his takes and, and his ideas about basketball are so bad. So I'm going to read off the four best Paul Pierce takes in the last Ooh. few years, okay? Yeah. In the 2018-19 season, Paul Pierce said the Duke Blue Devils could beat the Cavaliers. And this was the Zion Williamson mm-hmm. Duke Blue Devils. The same team that almost lost in the round of 32, right? They barely beat UCF to make uh, it to their season. Yeah, Taco. But also, this Duke team would lose to Kansas, who was number one at the, at the uh, country in the world. So I don't know how that transitive property, how that works, that they would nope. beat Cleveland but lose to Kansas. In the next one, number three, in the 2019 Eastern Conference semifinals, the Celtics beat the Bucks in game one. Paul Pierce postgame was asked what the Bucks can do to rebound, and he said nothing. The series is over. <laughs> uh, it was not over. The Bucks rattled off four straight wins. Beat the yeah, they won. One. 
They went four one. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, number two, uh, he said he's a better all time player than Dwayne Wade, and that yes. if he played with Shaquille O'Neal, he would have at least five or six titles. And no eye test or statistic or metric would agree with this in any way. Number one, uh, he said LeBron isn't a top five all time player because LeBron didn't build the franchise up like other greats did, like Paul Pierce. That's right. I don't think he said himself, but he I don't think he listed oh. off five players, so it probably was implied that he's one of the five. <laughs> he listed four, yeah. But yeah, I think he should take a month, take a couple months off, do nothing, let people forget about it, and then, then you can regroup, rebalance, maybe watch some film and cool it with the stupid takes. <laughs> he's under like he is he's got the hot take artist down. Paul, I'm I'm excited to see what's next, but <laughs> bring it. Okay. Uh, I'm not that excited. <laughs> the truth. But, but let's uh, let's move on. So the other juicy bit of NBA drama was between Kevin Durant and actor-turned-wannabe sports analyst Mike Rappaport. Mm-hmm. So Mike Rappaport, on a previous day, March 30th, he released a couple screenshots of some DMs between him and Kevin Durant. And basically what happened was uh, Kevin Durant tw- or, or Mike Rappaport tweeted, and without even tagging Kevin Durant, he just tweeted KD. KD seemed deeply in his feelings with the NBA on TNT crew after the game. Damn, he's super sensitive about everything. Just don't do the interview. So Kevin Durant basically subtweeted or not subtweeted, messaged him a picture of this. I don't know how Twitter DMs work. Send him this <laughs> tweet and call him a bitch. And then, so what? It, what? What proceeded was a barrage of insults. While Mike Rappaport was basically telling him to chill out, calm down, uh, stop being so soft, that kind of thing. Uh, Kevin Durant went off on Mike Rappaport, four screenshots worth of insults, and he he went off like an edgy 17-year-old on Xbox Live. <laughs> but he was just rattling off every slur, insult, any bad word he could think of. He yeah. had to find a way to work it into something to insult Mike Rappaport. Also challenge him to a fight, which I loved. Oh, I would love to see that. And then... Uh, Mike Rappaport basically blasted for it, right? Yeah. Uh, so what do you what do you think for Kevin Durant? Well, just just sure. You pick. You pick an athlete. Well, here, here's my deal. Like, I, I don't know if I told you this, but I think if every professional athlete, I think if every person had their uh, their texts or DMs thrown out for the world, I think a lot of people will get fined. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people say a bunch of shit like that. Right. Now for Kevin Durant, here's here's what I would recommend because. We, we've complimented him this on multiple times about who he is on Twitter. So just put everything out on Twitter. No more DMs. <laughs> just tweet public. whatever you're going to say and then just add him. So all these texts, all these uh, messages that between you and Michael Rapport, make it public. Just at him and say uh, whatever slur you want. Uh, That's be true. 100% yourself. You'll never be blindsided by something like this. Exactly. That. That's a plus. Uh, yeah, I – what did you say before that I was going to agree with? What did you say before that, before Kevin Durant advice? Uh, the, a bunch of people would get fined. Oh for yeah, it if yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you mentioned that like people would be in trouble if everyone's private texts or messages got leaked, and and I agree. Like on one hand, I'm like it's kind of messed up that he's getting fined because of a private DM, but also like he yeah. represents the NBA, and also like you know you think about the Donald Sterling, the thing. Oh he, yeah, the, his comments were made in private, but no one's giving him a pass. No one should give him a pass because they were not meant to be public. So. If you say something on the internet in the way that it's preserved, even if you mean it to be private, buckle up. 
Yeah. So I agree with you on that. No one's safe. I, I, I love that for Kevin Durant. I went with, this is actually worked out perfect. I went with advice for Rappaport. Oh, uh, yeah. Rappaport should play it. Um, I do, I, I agree with you. I think Kevin Durant should have doubled down. And instead of, like, he came out and kind of gave a, like, a, kind of not a weak apology, but like, sorry, I didn't mean it to go public, or I apologize. Like, he didn't try to defend himself. I think he should have been like, I'm sorry, Mike Rapport's such a bitch. You know, something <laughs> like that. Like, I'm sorry it got leaked, but I meant every word. Mike Rapport sucks. Uh, <laughs> that was my advice for him. For Rapport, here's what I think. He should publicly challenge Kevin Durant to a fight. Because this is this is a lot of scenarios which work out for him. So here's the scenarios. So like I said, Kevin Durant challenged him multiple times to a fight. Like he said, meet me here. He also said, what's your address? I'll come kick the shit out of you, basically. <laughs> so here's what happens. You challenge him to a fight. Either Kevin Durant won't because he doesn't want to do it in season. He won't actually fight him. Then you get to call him a bitch yeah. until the offseason. Then you have to figure a new plan. But for the few months, you get to call him a bitch for not wanting to fight you. Also, he could not do it because of contract violations. Like, you know, they have very specific things they can and can't do. Yeah. Or sponsorships or something. And again, he can't fight you, so you get to call him a bitch. And But again, this only works if you make it very public. Like, I'm challenging him to a boxing match or something yeah. like that. For charity. Exactly. Uh, the next scenario is you fight him and you actually kick his ass because he's <laughs> super skinny. Which, that's good for you. Makes you look good. Plus, maybe he actually gets hurt. Like, you, you know, punches his hamstrings. Who knows? Uh, or uh, the fourth option, most likely, is you fight him and he knocks you out, which I like that option because I don't like my grab court. So that would be fun. That's also must-see TV. That, so would I think be, publicly, that would be my favorite. You publicly yeah. challenge him to a fight. That's how yeah. you make this best. I uh, I had something very simple for uh, some advice for Rappaport. Uh, make people like you. Maybe that. Maybe be a person that uh, people enjoy being around. That's true. So when there's controversy... They won't immediately take the side of the other person exactly. because it's you they would have to defend. That's good. Exactly. That's a good point. Um, and then for Katie, did you see his apology? It, it wasn't really an apology. So Kevin Ray, if you're going to apologize, making an apology, he basically said, yeah, that's not really the words I want people to hear from me. Anyway, I hope I can get back on the court this week. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I love it. Yeah. But it, yeah. Okay. Good. Damage controlled. Uh, so we're going to move on to Playoff v. Wayoff. And this is our Power Ranking segment where we, we pick a topic relevant to what we're talking about and pick the three best and three worst things in that topic. So our topic this week is, in honor of the Final Four, we wanted to pick the three NCAA teams most loaded with NBA talents to win or not win the tournament in history. And so I picked Playoff, so I had the best, and you picked Wayoff, so you had the best to yeah. not win. I had best to win. Uh, I'll start... Can, right before bat, before, I, before yeah. we go, can I we, – we had to cut it last week, um, but I did have a list that I kind of wanted to talk about. Okay. So what was our topic last week? I can't remember. It was the uh, – Was um, it like best and worst – like of players that were the story of a tournament, the best and worst NBA – Oh, yeah, yeah. Career. And then so I also we – so I took that and then I, I made another list after that and it was like list of uh, stud college players that never made it in the NBA. Okay. Can I just, can I just rattle that off for you? Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so this is like recent, like last 10, 15 years maybe. Uh, Thomas Robinson, Sharon Collins, Tyshawn Taylor, Xavier Henry, Josh Selby, Wayne Selden, Tariq Black, Frank Mason, Cliff Alexander, Czech Diallo, Malik Newman, LeGerald Vick, Devin Dotson, and then uh, Tyler Self. That's a good list. How many, I, like, what is it, good college careers but not in the NBA? Because a lot of those guys were in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, but couldn't cut it in the time. NBA. Yeah, that's, that's the, true. Yeah. 
That's a good list. That's a good list. A lot of those, the kind of cool thing about a lot of those guys is no one gives a shit about the NBA. <laughs> they were just supposed to play at another level. And then they did that. And then they went to the NBA. Who cares? That's right. Uh, except Tyler Self. God, Shout out Tyler Self. I think he's working for KU. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. All right, good. Good list. So I had a hard time with this one because the really good teams that had players that had NBA success, they had guys that stayed for several years, which you don't really get these days. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not a lot of one-and-dones that are winning NCAA tournaments. So I had to go, I had to dig through the annals a little bit, get get into the uh, the deep dive into history. So my number three is the 2000-2001 uh, the Duke Blue Devils. That's when 35-4 and four, won the championship. They could have formed a pretty solid NBA starting five. Uh, Shane Battier, Mike Dunleavy, Carlos Boozer, Jay Williams, Chris Duan. Jay Williams was probably the most promising with the old uh, motorcycle accident. Yeah. That'll get you. But but five real legitimate NBA players, rotation players on a college team, won a championship. Good for them. That's my number three. Yeah. I kept it uh, pretty recent. Like So this first one is the longest back in okay. history. And that's that was my, That's my most recent. Oh, it's <laughs> 2000. Yeah. I just, there just um, weren't that many good teams yeah, that won because it's like yeah. veteran teams that, that win. Yeah. Uh, 2008. 2008 UCLA Bruins. This is uh, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Love, Darren Collison, and Luke Richard Mbamute, because that's fun to say. It is fun to say. So they went 35-4 and this year. Hell of a team. They actually lost to uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, or the Memphis Grizzlies, the Memphis Tigers with D. Rose uh, in the Final Four. So, but this year, Kevin Love, as a freshman, averaged 17.5 points and 10.5 rebounds. (laughs) Uh, and this is fat Kevin Love. This is this is cool right, Kevin Love. Right, right. Um, yeah, as we know, Kevin Love, twelve year NBA career, still playing, kind of. Russ still playing. Uh, Collison and Bamute played their last year's last or Bamute played last year. Collison retired before last year. Um, so 12, 12, 11, and ten as far as service in the NBA. Hell of a hell of a run for those guys. That's good. Yeah. My but not good in the tournament. Not good at running no, in the tournament. Not good enough. My number two is the 1981-82 North Carolina Tar Heels. They did not have as many NBA players as some other teams. Only three ever played an NBA game. It was a good three. Uh, James Worthy, Sam Perkins, and the second best player to ever star in a Space Jam movie, Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that guy. That's right. They're the only college team in history to have three players that would go on to be 15,000-point scorers in the NBA. So each one of those guys. Uh, James Worthy was picked number one in 1982. Jordan and Perkins were picked three and four in 1984. So not a deep team in terms of NBA talent, but three really good NBA players on the same mm-hmm. college team winning a championship. Yeah. My second is the opposite of that. It's just a, bun- a bunch of NBA players. That was the 2010 Kentucky Wildcats. And this team was polarizing. This was John Wall, Boogie, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Eric Bledsoe, and Patrick Patterson, those were the big four that really that really stuck around in the NBA. They also had four guys uh, to play in the NBA, but uh, one of those guys is Darius Miller, who is had been out of the league for like three years, but is now back on the team this year. Uh, and that is the Oklahoma City Thunder, because uh, obviously they're trying to lose. Right. But um, they lost in the Elite Eight to West Virginia, and uh, John Wall, Boogie have both had great careers, multiple time All Stars. John Wall uh, used to defend him and say that he was better point guard than Kyrie Irving, but that was long ago. Uh, he had a sick dance, and um, 
that's what made this team so fun. I know they were they were the heavy favorites to win the title. And lost in the Elite Eight. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, so my number one is what I was told in my research was unanimously the best college basketball team of all time. And that was the 1968 and 69 UCLA Bruins with good old Lou Alcindor, pre-Muslim Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, seven players from this team played at least one full NBA season. That is Lou Alcindor, Sidney Wilkes, Lucius Sound, Curtis Rowe, John Valley, Lynn Shackelford, and Steve Patterson. A lot of household names. Oh, yeah. Uh, so obviously you know who Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know his, his shindig. Uh, Sidney Wilkes was the second overall pick in 1971, averaged 17 points a game in 10 NBA seasons. Lucius Allen was went third in 1969, the same draft as Kareem. Kareem went number one. Pretty cool. He missed a year because of marijuana suspension, so good for him. <laughs> but in 10 seasons, he had 13 career, 13 points per game for his career. Curtis Rowe, eight NBA seasons, 11 points per game. So four guys averaged at least 10 points per game in their career, one of them being Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. This team went 29-1, and won the championship. And apparently the most surprising thing about this team was that they lost a game. They were that dominant of a team. This was part of like the UCLA juggernaut that won like 11 titles in 13 years or whatever it was. But they were stacked with talent, stacked with marijuana abusers, and a lot of points scored. I didn't look at it, but I'm assuming this is the most NBA points scored for one college team, half because of Kareem. But yeah, was, yeah. a lot of guys have played. So, Yeah. My number one is uh, very recent, and that was the 2015 Kentucky Wildcats. It's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah. It, and this is, they're only number one, not only, but a big reason number one is because they were on the path of having an undefeated season. Uh, they were 38-0 and before losing to Frank the Tank and Wisconsin in the Final Four. But this team had Carlton Towns, Devin Booker, Willie Cauley-Stein, Trey Lyles are the, are the four guys that are around right now. Um, they also had five other guys on that team that, that uh, played in the NBA, including the Harrison Twins. They had six guys drafted in the, the, in the draft that year. After that team, yeah, Devin Booker didn't even start for the team. Yeah, I mean, he Devin was like, was a, I mean, he closed games. He was like a six. Yeah, man, so but. so the the thing about this team was it was the platoon year. So Cal would just go five in and five out, five five players at a time, sub them all out. But yeah, nine players on this team to play in the NBA. They had the number one pick, the number six pick, the number twelve pick, and the number thirteen pick, and then two second rounders. But a crazy amount of of talent, and then. Uh, obviously, Carlton Towns and Devin Booker are multiple-time All Stars. Those guys are phenomenal. Is he? Is Carlton Towns a multiple-time All Star? Yeah, two times. Okay. Multiple. Okay, counts. Okay. <laughs> I will. So sorry. Do you have anything else? No, no, that's it. So I was, was. What is awesome about that team to me was I remember. So Trey Lyles started at the small forward. He was like six ten, and they <laughs> played Kansas like at the beginning of the season, and they destroyed them. But but the average height of Kentucky starting five. Kansas only had like two players on their roster taller than the average height of Kentucky's <laughs> first five. Like it was crazy how good they were. Not good enough. Not good enough. No, that was the, I remember that was a year where it was like I, t- I would take Kentucky over the field going into the tournament. I was like, who's going to yeah. beat this team? And somebody thought did. it'd be two, somebody did. two white guys from Wisconsin. That's right. That's right. I think those are the original. These white men are dangerous. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, that's good. We're going to move on to Splasher Pass. So in Splasher Pass, we talk NBA news, rumors, gossip. We give our take on it. Why do we like this? Why do we not like it? And instead of just Splasher Pass every every week, we come up with new criteria to rake the stories by. So, <laughs> so this week, 
we were going to, we wrote this before the championship game, <laughs> we were going to splash a pass on going into the tournament undefeated, how well did you finish? Because we were hoping Gonzaga would win, so we could say, are you 2021 Gonzaga, who was undefeated all the way through, finished undefeated, won the championship? Or are you 2015 Kentucky, who lost in the Final Four after being undefeated? So we changed it to, how good are you at winning in the Final Four as an undefeated team? Are you 2021 Gonzaga, who did, or are you 2015 Kentucky, who did not? So Splash is Gonzaga, Pass is Kentucky. Uh, so I'm up first, right? Yeah. Yes. So I am going to, I am going to pass on teams loading up. Like I've said, I'm not a fan of how the Nets are just grabbing every former All NBA All Star. Anybody good wants to come get a ring, come to the Nets. I don't like it. Many small market teams share my disdain. They have voiced their displeasure with yeah. buyout players favoring bigger markets, going to the coast. Even though, if you see, like statistically, it's not true at all. Like the the Bucks have had the right. most buyout players because it's right. just it's literally just which teams are good. That's where the buyout players go. And it just happens this year that it's New York and L.A. that are the good teams that buyout players go to. Mm-hmm. But even though it's not true at all, I get the small market team's frustration. As a fan, you want to see a wide open field. So the Nets, the Nets, who load up with Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge, the Lakers trying to answer. They land Andre Drummond, but they have another spot. So who do they get to match the second former All NBA player that this that the uh, that the Nets get? They get Ben McLemore. Yeah, because no, no, no. This is great. This is this is loading up in a way that the Nets couldn't match at all. So we know that LeBron James needs a former Kansas player to win every single year. He's won a championship. He's had a player that played at Kansas on his team. He's never had two at once. And this right is a, now, uncharted territory. Right now, he has two players that played for Kansas on his team. This is this is powers that no team should be able to compete with. We haven't seen the full potential of what this team can do. And as a small market team, you got to be pissed that LeBron has access to this kind of talent. So that's why I'm often. I don't think it's good for the league. I don't think it's good for parity. I think you can already chalk up the finals. I love it. I love it. Okay, I am. Um, I'm with Zaga on Tyler Hero. And Dante DiVincenzo. Now, do you know who Chet Hanks is, Robbie? No, I don't. Okay, so he is Tom Hanks' son, America's dad, Tom Hanks. And he is the exact opposite of Tom Hanks. Um, so he, on Instagram, he declared it a white boy summer. Now, I don't really know what that means. I don't want anything to do with it. Okay. In a video, he declares it a, a white boy summer, uh, but not a Trump NASCAR white boy, but a himself Chet Hanks. Uh, John B., don't know who that is, and Jack Harlow, white boy. I know who Jack Harlow is. Now, I don't really know what this means, but I can imagine this is for the white guys that are really in touch with NBA and rap culture, you know, who wear like white beaters and Gucci slides. Their Instagram captions for say some things like all hits, no misses, or like in a group picture, it says five white boys and it's not in sync. So I started looking around the NBA. I was like, who does this apply to? Obviously, Tyler Hero was the first one that jumped in my head. Okay, good, good. Uh, I also felt like Dante DiVincenzo. And then, and then, Maybe less a lesser extent, Luke Kennard and, and Kevin Herter. Now, I don't know what the parameters of time are for White Boy Summer. Right, when does it start? When does it open Right, up? yeah. But if this is come playoff time, look out. These guys could get hot right at the right time. What do you, how, you think Caruso could slide into that mold? I don't know because he, he's real bald. Well, he pulls so off a snapback. That, he pulls off a snapback. He does. He does. Um, so, I, so I'm splashing just, just in case this okay. is a real thing. Okay. Um, now, on the flip side, I... I, I um, Concluded that White Boy Summer is definitely not for Cody Zeller. Uh, that is yeah. about as far away from yeah. that as I can imagine what it is. 
Um, I hope this is not a real thing. I want nothing to do with it. But just in case. <laughs> Too late. You're just, in. Just in case. You're in. I'd like to get some stock in uh, in the heat in the bucks here. That's good. I do like that. So my next one, I am Gonzaga. I'm splashing on us on this podcast. Ooh. Specifically me, yeah. but the podcast. So I haven't looked at the numbers or viewership, Seth, for how we're doing. But what I do know is somebody from ESPN is a listener to this podcast. How do I know that? So ESPN, and I said, why does, like, when ESPN posts something, like a ranking or a list, why do they just say it's us, ESPN, posting this? Like, they never give credence to the author. Because I think it saves them a lot of flack, like, when they say something controversial. Because when they say something that people don't like, they just blame ESPN. But if they put the name of the guy out in front of it, he's the one that takes all the flack. But anyways, so ESPN posted a ranking of the top 25 NBA players under the age of 25. And they did it under the context of... Future potential. So not just right now. Who do you think would have the best career? Who would be the best player? And a couple weeks ago, we talked about Lamella Ball's potential. And you did something similar to this. You compared him to other guys under 25. You said there were three locks for players that no way Lamella was better. And I argued one of them. That you could make a case against one of them. You did, yes. You said the three locks were Luka, Zion, and Jason Tatum. And I argued. I said you could make a case for Lamella over Jason Tatum. Well, guess what? On ESPN's list, their order is one Luca, two Zion, three Lamelo, four Tatum, for the four best players under the age of twenty-five in terms of potential. So, somebody on ESPN is listening into our podcast. They they heard me do it. They thought I made a lot of sense, and they decided we got to run with this. Uh, so, the internet is obviously roasting this because oh, I mean, the full yeah. list is online. They they had a good time with this and a few others that were controversial. And I think this is this is I'm confused why no one they had no one claim this because now ESPN just people are mad at ESPN, but it's making me want to stick to my guns even more. Like I I, I framed that argument on like I don't think so, but I think there's I think there's an argument to be had. Like he wasn't I just I was basically saying Jason Tatum isn't in the lock category as definitely better than you know 100 percent like the other two guys were. But now I'm, I'm rethinking. I'm like maybe I was onto something because ESPN agrees with me. So well, they I took am, what I'm you said and they they. And they just ran. They, they they yeah, yeah. How can we make this even crazier? So I am splashing on us having ESPN listeners. That's good. I, I haven't seen the list. I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah, you should. It's on. I saw on Twitter. The my other one here is I am Gonzaga on Soli. Now and here I have insert Soli's real name, which I didn't do because I don't know what his real name is. Now he's the pilot, right? That landed on the Hudson. Oh, Soli. Yes, Sullivan is his name. Okay, yeah. What's his What's his full name? I don't know. Captain Sullivan. The movie. The guy about the movie. Yeah, I thought you said Sully, like, like the sole of a shoe. I was like, what are we talking? Okay, Sully. Yeah, Sully. That Sully, guy. Yeah. Last week, the Jazz, their team plane, had an emergency landing when it hit a, hit a flock of birds during takeoff. Now, this flight was scheduled to go from Salt Lake City to Memphis, but it diverted right back to Salt Lake City and landed safely on the runway. I mean, they hit it during takeoff, turned right back around. Now, Soli, on the other hand, he landed on the Hudson. He hit a flock of birds and said, runway, I don't think so. That looks like a runway to me. Boom, right on the river. So I think it's take this opportunity to give, to acknowledge Soli, what he accomplished, and for doing it with style. So how would you feel? You think the pilot of the uh, the jazz plane should have like, aimed Done for something cool. Aim for, Aim for a mountain. Land it right between a little yeah, valley yeah, and a that's, mountain. That's a good idea. That's true. We put it on a highway or something. Because no, now no one really cares. I mean, you guys landed safely. We're really happy to hear that. That um, is true. And like, apparently, he has no style though. Apparently, Donovan Mitchell is like a really like a fear of flying in this like 
he did not do well with like this kind of mess. Oh, oh, really? So yeah, so uh, that's not funny, but so maybe it's better off we didn't do water landing or didn't. Uh, oh, yeah, land on top of a mountain or something. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good. So my last one, uh, as I scroll up on my notes, I am Gonzaga. I am splashing on finding your niche breakthroughs. And it's do you say niche or niche? I say niche. I don't ever say either one. That's okay, because you avoid it, right? <laughs> so, so here's what I'm, so I was reading an article posted on NBA.com about uh, Johnny Juzang. And right. the reason that they wrote this article is, is well, well, kind of because of his breakout run in the NCAA tournament. But since they're an NBA, it's NBA.com. So they don't talk about college basketball. It's all under the context of the NBA. So the point of this article was he has a chance to do something that no one has ever done before, which is be an Asian-American drafted into the lottery. And, and – He's being hailed as a trailblazer for landing right in this sweet spot. So here's the thing. Plenty of Americans have been drafted in the lottery. Like we know a lot of Americans that have gone in the lottery. I would argue most lottery picks are Americans. <laughs> there have been a number of Asians that have gone in the lottery. Like Yao Ming, who's number one you know, overall. from China, went number one overall. Rui Hashimura, a couple years ago, born and raised in Japan, went to college in America. He went number nine. And Asian-American Jeremy Lin went undrafted. So... Chen Juzang has a chance to be the first Asian-American drafted in the lottery. And so here's a quote about like what this means for him as an Asian-American. He said, I will get messages or hear stories about how I inspire people regardless of their heritage. Sometimes there are people of Asian descent, but just being able to inspire people is something that touches, that, something that's touching and inspires me and something I do not take lightly. And Seth, what I love so much about this article is the thought of like an Asian American kid holding a basketball, kicking rocks around, sad that he doesn't have a role model exactly like him, because <laughs> Yao Ming and Rui Hachimura, they're too Asian. <laughs> Zion, everybody else, they're too American. And Jeremy Lin sucks, so who cares? I mean, he didn't even get drafted, much less drafted in the lottery. But now there's a potential for somebody to go in the lottery to be Asian American. So this kid, this 13 year old kid that has an incredibly particular feelings about who he looks up to. Now there's someone that checks all of these boxes for him. So I'm very excited for those kids. Six years from now, we'll see him in the lottery too. That's right. Because of what Jan Juzang did. Exactly. Exactly. Ins- what an inspirational. That's right. So I think that's it. That's that's the yeah. uh, that's a good one. That's that's the episode, right? Yeah. That's all I had. Cool. Uh, uh, okay. Logan Martin, play us out. Wait. I didn't we just sign off. All right. Cool. That's the show. Oh, uh, cool. That's the app. show. Good job. <laughs> anything else? Any, anything else you want to say? No. Here we go. All right. I've said my piece. Well, on that note, Logan Martin, play us out. I guess it's back. Your dirty STL derby. I'm like magic to Kareem, man. You tell me I ain't worthy. I ain't speaking about Georgia. I'm speaking about income. Did you hear that, Elizabeth? Here comes the big one. I put my money in your community and you got your budget. I want my ass with your advance to the toilet and flush it. My last dance be a stance of general custard. I hold up cause I can, I got cheese and mustard. I got the stats of a Hall of Famer and just two records. That's why I'm back up at the Super Bowl with Julius Peppers. I got that can't stop, won't stop in my veins. That's why that can't stop, won't stop screaming my name. Logan, Logan, go tell your friends to tell your friends I'ma keep the same grin whether I lose or win. I'm for down 10, I'ma fight to the end. Let's go, ain't no way they can stop me now. Logan comes my way, yeah, I can feel my rain coming. It's the blood of a champion, I'm a victim of my veins. It's too much pride to be running, I'ma get what I can.
Hitting like vultures, man. I'm young, white, and rich, as good as it gets. And giving your point guard fierce. He thinks he's done seeing pressure, man, but he ain't seen. Shh. Ain't no way they can know. 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 Ain't no way they can stop me now. I'm gonna cause my way. Yeah, I can feel my rain coming. It's the blood of the champion. I'm gonna keep inside my veins. Yeah. Too much pride to be running. I'ma get what I can. Yeah. 